0: Welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. Today's podcast is episode number 34, titled Find Your Voice. I'd like to welcome our guests, MS activist Tyler Campbell and neurologist Dr. Mitzi Williams. I'm excited to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. So to get things started, I'd love to, you know, kind of hand the microphone off to you two uh, to introduce yourselves to our listeners. Well, I am Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, also known as the Nerdy Neurologist, um, and I am a neurologist and multiple sclerosis specialist, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Mm, the A. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ATL. <laughs> I hear you, Mitzi. My name is
1: uh, Tyler Campbell. I am a diehard. A Texan. I come from the great state of Texas by way of Austin, and I am an MS advocate and traveling by Zoom nowadays, Mitzi, a public speaker, professional speaker. Uh, so it is an absolute honor and privilege. I've been a a national MS ambassador from the MS Society for quite some time now, Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited to see where we are and have a conversation, Missy. Let's go.
0: Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, so let's just cut to the chase. Let's jump right in. So why don't we start, you know, kind of when we're thinking about this journey of MS, you know, one of the biggest parts of it is actually getting that diagnosis. And oftentimes when I talk to people living with MS, they remember the day, they remember the time, you know, they remember all the events that led up to it. Why don't you share with us a little bit about your journey to diagnosis and, and how that happened for you?
1: Yes. Um, like so many other people, mine came without warning, right? There was no preparation for this whole MS uh phenomenon <laughs> taking place. Uh, I was a, a college student at San Diego State University in 2007, uh, playing football on football scholarship. And literally, after playing a football game, midsey against BYU, last game of the season, and I went to sleep absolutely normal that night mm-hmm. with no problems whatsoever. I promise. Mm-hmm. And I woke up routinely at close to five o'clock in the morning, like I always do. Um, instead of getting out of bed and rising to my feet and walking to the bathroom, midsey, I felt flat. On my face, do you hear me? Wow. Um, wow. It's something that we all take for granted, right? We all expect to be able to just get up, wake up, and walk. I lost wow. functioning in the, the limbs on the right side of my body. Slurred speech was completely gone. Um, and I had no idea what this was. Wow. Nobody, wow. no trainers, no team doctors at the university. They had no idea what this was. And I was shipped to Scripps La Jolla Memorial Hospital, Mitzi. And if you ain't never been to La Jolla, California, girl, I mean, that's like, it's a place you want to visit. You want to go see the scene. <laughs> You're trying to go get to the beach. You don't want right. to go there to go to the hospital. You, you, right. you want to have a good
0: time. You want to <laughs> have a good time
1: at La Jolla. So I, my introduction <laughs> to La Jolla was going to the hospital. And wow. um, getting there, uh, I was sent to a neurologist. I had never heard of what a neurologist was. I didn't know what that was. Um, And as soon as I walk in, Mitzi, nobody looks like me. I'm 21. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 230 pounds. I check in. I'm limping. I'm dragging my my right foot noticeably. And I sit down next to an elderly, a white woman. And she says, son, what are you doing here? I said, Mm. ma'am, I have no idea. She says, you're too young to be here. You don't belong Mm. here. Mm-hmm. And I said, as soon as I said, uh, was trying to get to understanding or tell her why I was there, the lady came through the door, it was a nurse, and she said, Mr. Campbell, and I limped on in the back. I was administered a lot of equilibrium tests, right, Mitzi? Um, stand mm-hmm. on one leg, uh, try to walk in a straight line. Uh, mm-hmm. Couldn't. I had speech impediment issues, and uh, I'll never forget it. Her name was Dr. Naira Kacharian, and um, she said, I think this may be something called multiple sclerosis. Hmm. And I said, "What is that? I'm right. I'm African American, so black man, so I'm used to high blood pressure, sickle cell anemia, uh, high cholesterol, diabetes. I had never heard of this thing. My mom was a former ER nurse, and she said she asked me where are your parents. I said I'm out here in college by myself at San Diego State University. I have no family here. She says, call mm-hmm. your mother, and she tells my mom she thinks I have MS. They're going to administer a spinal tap." It's not supposed to hurt. That's what she said, Mitzi. That's what she said. She said it wasn't supposed yeah. to hurt, Mitzi. I she think said she might wasn't... have fooled you. She, she fooled you. She said <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to get in the fetal position, Mitzi, and it's not going to hurt. I said, OK, I, y'all, as MS yeah. patients, you don't know what you're walking into with this, OK? Right. Right? I right. didn't know no better. Uh, my mom tells uh-huh. me to listen to everything that she says. Yeah. And uh, you know, my spinal tap results came back. I was mm-hmm. sent to an MRI. I had lesions on the right cortex or the left cortex of my brain, which was why I was having mm-hmm. so many issues on the right side of my body. Excellent. And I was diagnosed very quickly, which we talk right. about today. This is abnormal a lot of times in MS right. diagnosis. I was diagnosed right. the next week, y'all. Right. Um, right. That is not always the case with right. multiple sclerosis. And there is a major shift in my life, Mitzi, from that day forward.
0: Right. And so, you know, I love that you brought that up, that a lot of people aren't diagnosed um, as swiftly as you were. A week is an extremely short period of time. um, And I have a lot of folks um, or people that I've seen or interacted with who have been waiting years for a diagnosis, who've been having these symptoms. Nobody knows what it was. Yes. You know, fortunately you're young enough where MRIs are very accessible, but back in the stone ages, it was very difficult to get an MRI, you know, yeah. and really your doctor had to have a very, very high suspicion, um, of something for you to get it and good reasoning to get it. Um, yes. so once you got that diagnosis though, um, you know, I have a lot of folks that deal with uncertainty about the future. They don't know what's coming. So how did you grapple with that? And how did you learn to adjust um, to your new normal, whatever that was? Did your symptoms completely go away or, or tell mm-hmm. me about that process? So
1: I think um, so it got worse. I think that was the heartbreaking thing for me. A lot of times we, we go to the doctor or we get an answer as to what we have and we feel like the healing can begin and it can, but there was a delayed what are called delayed gratification that would come from my healing. It did not right. take place. Uh, I continued to lose the functioning of my limbs. I was mm. ushered into. I was ushered into a world of uh, of seeing a nurse and learning how to administer my own IVs and, and steroids and medication. Going from mm-hmm. just being a college student to now, I'm, I'm pricking myself, Mitzi, and, and and so there's mm. this whole world. Um, right. So my limbs continued to worsen. Um, mm. I developed what was called drop foot. Right. And mm-hmm. then it was, the blood wasn't circulating. My, my right foot was literally you could not lift it up. You could not lift it down. Um, mm-hmm. So my world was literally changed, flipped, turned upside down. I didn't. I thought mm-hmm. things would get better and they didn't initially. Mm-hmm. What was important to me, you kind of reflect back on the things that matter to you in life when you're at your most vulnerable states. I feel what right. was important to me at that time was my college education. I told you earlier I was a college student. I had experienced a relapse in the middle of finals at San Diego State right. University. Wow. So I, I, had no functioning in my right, I had no functioning in my right hand. My right leg is dragging. I'm having to take all my finals with my left hand. And what it did for me, though, is it showed me that if you have a sense of direction, a sense of things that you want to accomplish or do with your life, Those are the things that are going to propel you to keep going, no matter what adversity that you are faced with. My education mattered to me, Mitzi. So I found a way to uphold my education, Um, not fully understanding what MS was, but the fact that I had a path towards what I wanted is what got me through um, and down the path of recovery. Right. Um, so that's actually what started it for me was, was um, understanding that MS has stricken my body, but I'm not going to let it take away from the things that I want to accomplish with my life, um, right. whatever those things are.
0: Right. And that's so that's so key, because what I hear you saying is that, you know, you had to look at what are the foundational things that are important to you. Right. Um, Because I heard you saying that you were playing football. Right. So for many who may get diagnosed and let's say they had weakness on one side and they were athletic or what have you, they may have said, well, gosh, I can't be this athlete, so that means I have no purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And what you were able to do was kind of distill down, okay, I can't do this at this point, but this is what's really, really important to me, and I'm going to focus on this. And it also sounds like I hear you saying that support of your family was extremely important to help you to kind of um, work within the healthcare system to encourage you to listen to what the medical professionals that you were working with were telling you. So tell me a little bit about kind of how you distill down to that thing that's important or, or the importance of focusing on what's important to you, even if you can't do everything that you used to be able to do.
1: Right. And I think that's, that's so key. Man, Missy, you worded that so eloquently, y'all. Man. Okay. <laughs> so here, here, here's the deal. Absolutely. You got to give props. When I was laying there, I think there's a lot to be said. The human mind goes so many different places when there is silence and when there is no miscellaneous noise. A lot of times when we right. are diagnosed, we are trying to figure out what the heck is going on and what the mm-hmm. next steps are going to be. And a lot of times that is in isolation, right? And my right. isolation my mind literally began to carry over and help me understand that football was just a small portion or piece of my life. Football was nothing more than a talent. And a lot of times we all have talents. This is something we are all gifted with. Some of us can do some, Mitzi can do some amazing things that Tyler Campbell cannot do. And vice versa, as listeners, y'all have qualities that you can do. Um, I learned that football was just a small avenue or a piece for me. That is not who I am. There's many other gifts that I have. There are other things that I love to do, but I I listened to a message by by Dr. Martin Luther King talked about purpose, sense of somebodiness, Mm -hmm. your own sense of self-worth and understanding those things that you are called to do. What is that thing that you have been called to do with your Mm -hmm. life? And the only way you can get Mm -hmm. there is if you spend some time with yourself, getting to know you. We get caught in so much of the hustle and bustle that we forget to give ourselves some time, some love, some energy, and some compassion, right? Some love. And in doing so, i learned that there are more qualities to Tyler Campbell. Football is just a small stepping stone. And a lot of that was for my voice to be lifted and utilized. And I found out that utilizing my voice, MS can't take that from me, Mitzi. Mitzi, MS can take this body, but it can't. So I felt like I had a leg up on MS because it Mm -hmm. can't take something away from me. And in doing so with my voice, I learned to get another sense of comfort and confidence in myself. Yes, my my limbs are taken. Yes, I have speech therapy. And and yes, there's chronic pain. And and yes, you're worried about how you may be perceived. People are looking at me funny because they can't figure out what's going on with me. What set me free was I found my purpose, Mitzi. And finding that purpose of speaking, it allowed me to make myself more vulnerable, open up to my family to be able to receive help because we can't right. do it alone, right? I was doing it alone in college, mm-hmm. trying to do it all by myself, but life right. hit, and life is a lot to carry by yourself. And watch it this, is. your privacy will keep you from achieving your destiny, right? So you right. can't hold everything to yourself. It's when you open up, about mm-hmm. your MS diagnosis that the fruits of life can start to manifest and you can start growing. Why? Because you'll meet somebody like a Dr. Mitzi. You'll meet somebody like can do MS. You'll meet people mm-hmm. like Chris, people who can dive in and help you. And then yes. watch this. It gives legs to your purpose and can take you yes. further. Mitzi. I can't meet Absolutely. you if I don't have MS. That's,
0: it. You that's know? it. I mean, and that's so deep. I liked what you said. Your privacy can keep you from your destiny. And so I spend a lot of time educating about um, this need for help. We all need help. We cannot accomplish really anything, you know, solely by ourselves in this life. And so it's a very hard thing for many people to do. You know, we have this sense in society that you're supposed to be self-sufficient, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, make it happen, you know, uh, you know work till you pass out, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things and all these tropes that are kind of ingrained in us. But I think that situations like people being diagnosed with MS or even people dealing with a pandemic and having mm-hmm. to totally shift gears, really gives us an opportunity to not only ask for help, but to see how many people we have around us who are absolutely available and willing to help that we just were ignoring the whole time. Oh my God. So that is so good. That is so good. But I really also like um, the fact that you were able to look and say, okay, I love football, but this is a part of me. And I think so many times when we try to reach a certain goal, you know, I think for myself, I spent years and years to become a doctor, right? And so I remember that moment when I finally stopped saying I'm going to be, because for the majority of my life, I kept telling people I'm going to be. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a neurologist. I'm going to be an MS specialist. And then once I achieved it, it was like, oh, well, what do we do now? (laughs) You You know, exactly. And even partway through my career, I came to this realization that Yes, I love seeing patients, I love touching people one-on-one, but I had a sense that my purpose was to reach beyond just the exam room, and to be able to reach and educate people on a broader scale, and that's when those doors open up so that I can do things like meet advocates like you and others, and to really work toward my passion, which is taking care of people, but also serving my community, you know, and so even for us who don't necessarily have a chronic illness, it becomes important for us to really... Kind of look at these moments, these aha moments, and refocus ourselves and dig in and find out what exactly we should be doing. So oh, That's so love good. That's so I good.
1: love it, missy That's
0: so good. That's so good. Okay, so now, now, now that we've been diagnosed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have connected with a healthcare team. Um, we have kind of opened ourselves up to say, "Hey, you know, I need some help to be able to deal with this." Yes. Let's talk a little bit about self-advocacy. So, this is a huge thing for me. I think one of the biggest difficulties that I've seen as an MS specialist, is that many of my patients don't recognize that they have a voice, right? That they have a say, that they are part of the healthcare team. And unfortunately, many people have gone along and continued on treatments that weren't effective, have continued to decline and don't really know that they have a say so. So tell us a little bit how you found your voice and the importance of self advocacy, as well as what tips you may have for people to become advocates for themselves or their family members.
1: Yeah, no problem, Missy. I think for me, look, my family's from the country, right? Grew up riding horses and and being in the country. That's that's my family, and I always think back to to watch my uncle Willie. Um, Plant seeds, plant peas, right? Plant peas. Uh-huh. And, and I
0: had an Uncle Willie too. I he, think everybody Okay. Had an Uncle everybody got an Uncle Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Willie would plant,
1: would plant peas and 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 watermelons. And I always, and I looked at it and right. And so Uncle Willie couldn't get to the final product of reaping the harvest of the of the vegetables and the fruits until he did what is called disking or turning the soil. A lot of the mm-hmm. listeners who listen in who who from the country they get where I'm going with this, right? And mm-hmm. so. What I learned from it, it was like, yo, Uncle Willie couldn't get the final product until he flipped, turned the soil upside down. He had to do something different Mm. to the soil in Mm. order for us to eat these watermelons over the summertime that we so desperately were looking forward to. Right. So when I looked at my MS diagnosis, like, Missy, to get down that path of accountability, like having a voice, it's like, yo, I found my voice. Why? Because my world got flipped, turned upside down just like Uncle Willie used to do with those watermelons, right? Mm-hmm. And then I received that final product of understanding what my voice is. And that right. voice, meaning that I, little old Tyler Campbell, out of the million, however million people are diagnosed with MS in this world, I have a voice. And my mm-hmm. MS diagnosis is unique. Why? Because there's never been another Tyler Campbell and nobody yes. else can tell it or share it or walk through it like I can. And a lot of times we get caught up as if we're just another number in the long list. But in all actuality, we are a valuable number. And I don't know, Mitzi, it could be me just making that stuff up. But that is psychologically what I did. I said my MS diagnosis matters. And by me lifting my MS diagnosis and becoming an advocate for my story, it could possibly help somebody else maybe get to a diagnosis faster than a week for me, Mitzi. Maybe there's somebody right. could get diagnosed the same day because they picked up on some of the things that they learned from my own. And so that's what really prompted me to get out there was to share it, to talk about it, because somebody else can reap a harvest even faster, or I could be put down a road of recovery even right. faster. Um, right. That, right. That's what that's what helped. Maneuver me. Um, was Uncle Willie planting watermelons? Missing. That's what, <laughs> that's what. Long story short, Uncle Willie from Tyler, Texas, area code nine hundred three, is who got me <laughs> to look. You know, it's amazing what you remember as a kid to help exactly. become your own advocate. You know.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I mean that's so important. And I think everybody has their own analogy or things that kind mm-hmm. of spurred them on to that point. Um, but I think for me it was helping people, it was, it was seeing so many people um who weren't doing as well as they could be because mm-hmm they didn't know that they had a say. And I think it's so important for us to know that within this healthcare system, we're really moving a lot toward what we call shared decision-making. So that mm-hmm. means it's not just the doctor sitting. So I don't sit down with people and say, this is what you're gonna do because I know what's best, right? You know, Although I have a level of expertise, you know what's best that works in your environment. You know how your body works, you know your mm-hmm. schedule, you know what your lifestyle is like. And so we have to come together and make these decisions as As a team and also I think it's extremely important for people to recognize that their family members and care partners are also an extremely important part of the team because not only can they be that extra voice they can be your memory and write things down for you during visits you know while you're paying attention to other things but they also can provide insight into how you're doing you know so I really encourage people to have their care partners as part of our team because sometimes they will notice things that you may not notice, right? They may see things that you may not see, and they provide that extra perspective that really helps us to move forward. Absolutely. And I think right before we leave, that last piece um, is accountability. So when we talk about care partners, I have a lot of folks that come in, right? right. The husbands and the wives, right? And I ask the husband, "Hey, Mister So and So, how you doing?" And he's like, "Great." And the wife is like, mm-mm uh uh-uh, uh, this is not you know and so there also has to be a level of accountability um where you know you have people who are offering help but who are also holding you accountable to do the things you're supposed to do um to take your medicines or to do whatever exercise regimen or routine why don't you talk a little bit about accountability and what yeah, that means ab- to you
1: absolutely man absolutely I, I, for me it is i think and it's that point of, of making that stepping stone to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to to be transparent. And it's like we have that wall in front of ourselves where we don't want to put ourselves out there because we're fearful of what people may think. We're fearful that it may disgruntle a marriage. It, it, it may hurt a relationship. It may uh, cause tension on our job to possibly lose our job. We let people know that we have MS. Um, but in all actuality, myths and you can attest to this, a lot of times when you say what you are going through, that's actually when the healing can take place and i feel like our pain points are there but it's when you are able to seek the healing that's when the recovery really starts mentally physically Mm -hmm. and emotionally for yourself Um, you're able to free yourself of that quote unquote stress mitzi because we've Mm -hmm. been fighting the battle alone so i just encourage people like what i did was i i said i'm gonna do a new thing i'm gonna do something different and i'm gonna go against what goes on in this house stays in this house I'm going to throw my MS at your feet and see um, if we can both be educated together. And because I yeah. rallied the troops of my family in the country in rural East Texas, let them know about what this MS thing is, your family shows up in a different way of love um, yeah. because they're C and then people can't know how to help you until they know that you need some help.
0: Um, right. so that, that
1: all goes right. back to everything you said. Um, it it opens you up to an avenue of love and support. There's something so powerful about somebody calling just to check on you to see how you're doing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. To tell
1: you they love you,
0: that's powerful. And that makes such a difference, right? Because healing is not just about medications, but healing is about community. Healing is about love and understanding and trust. Um, It's just, it's so much more than just, you know, going to see the doctor. So I love it, I love it. Thank you for tuning in. This episode of the Cando MS podcast was brought to you by our sponsors, Biogen and Genentech. Make sure to listen to part two of this podcast where Tyler and Dr. Mitzi Williams continue their conversation. The next episode is available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Once again, thanks for tuning in.